Hebrews 10. We're actually going to stop at verse uh, 19 to verse 21, but um, we're going to read uh, the whole passage so we can put it in context. I haven't preached in two weeks, so today, expect a very long message. No, I'm kidding. Making it up to all these weeks. Uh, let's read Hebrews 10, 19 to 25. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Amen? Amen. Think about that. Memorize this part. Is that too hard? For he who promised is faithful. Amen? Even a word for us, for us seeking God for the sake of our church. He who promised is faithful. Amen? For he who promised is faithful, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaken the assembling of ourselves together, as in the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Amen. All right, so this is week 42 when we have been studying the book of Hebrews. And we say that the book of Hebrews is written to um, Christians who used to be Jewish, and because of persecution, they want to go back to Judaism, right? So the author of Hebrews wrote this book to them so to encourage them never to consider going back to Judaism. And in order to accomplish that, he spent from chapter 1, verse 1, to chapter 10, verse 18, which we finished uh, last time I preached here, explaining to them the superiority of Christ, the supremacy of Christianity over Judaism, the argument is if Christianity is superior, you should not leave what is superior to go to what is inferior. Amen? And now from chapter 10, verse 19, till the end of the chapter, till the end of the book, he actually going to have the applications. How can they live their life in the midst of the persecution? How they should uh, show up their Christian faith to their communities. So this is pretty much what we're going to start today till the end of the book of Hebrews, practical applications. Just to remind you, we have seen from chapter 1, verse 1 to chapter 10, verse 18, that the author of Hebrews argued that Christ is superior to the prophets, right? Christ is superior to the angels, he's superior to Moses, and he's superior to Aaron, the high priest of the Old Testament. Now, the practical application. And the author of Hebrews starts our passage here. Um, it's five verses, but it's actually broken into two parts. He's here exhorting them to enter into the new sanctuary, to seek the presence of God. But before the author of Hebrews go on to, to, to command them, encourage them in a way to enter into the presence of God from verse 22 to verse 25, he started by telling them first the privileges that we have under the New Testament, how we are so privileged to enter into the presence of God. And then he started, after that, he moved on to the responsibilities of the believers, how to enter the presence of God. Amen? In verse 22 to 25, he gave them three encouragements. 
I highlighted it for you so you don't miss it. Number one, let us draw near. Number two, let us hold fast. And number three, let us consider one another. Amen? But before he tells them their responsibilities, he started by giving them their privileges, which is verse 19, 20, and 21. He's saying, we have a new way that opened up for us, and we have such a great high priest, and because of that, let us try to draw near to God. Before we break down that text, I want you to look at that diagram in your, in your notes, because this is fundamental in understanding this passage today. The Old Testament tabernacle. This is how God commanded Moses to build the Old Testament house of worship tabernacle. And if you look from the east, that's you see now enter, that's when a person will enter. And you see that the first thing is the outer court, like the yard. The first piece of furniture that you see there is the burned offering, um, the, 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 the sacrifice, that's the burned altar, the burning altar, where it's made of bronze, and that's where they offer the sacrifice. And after that, they have the frozen laver. These are the two pieces of furniture in that order once you get into the, uh, the tabernacle. And then you get into the building. You leave now the outer court and you get into the building. The first room is called the holy place. And inside that room is the holy of holies. You guys remember all of that? Yeah. Okay, so the outer court, the, the yard of the tabernacle, who can get there? Who can enter into the yard of the tabernacle? Anyone, right? Anyone can enter there. Actually, more like people who sin in particular enter there so they can offer the sacrifice on the bronze altar. So anyone in the congregation can enter into the first, uh, into the outer court. But how about the holy place? Who can enter into the holy place? The Only the priest, right? And who can enter into the holy of holies? The high priest. How many times a year? One day, twice, right? The first time he entered with the blood of a bull for his own sins. And then he entered after that with the blood of a goat for the sins of the people, right? So you follow me? The first, the outer court, anybody can enter to offer sacrifices for their sins. The first room, the priest can enter any time of the year to minister to the Lord. And then the Holy of Holies, only the high priest one, one day a year to offer a sacrifice. So that is kind of the background. Keep that in mind as we break down that text. The first word in verse 19 is what? Therefore, right? That means what he's going to say now is built on what he has been already presenting to us, right? If you remember, we closed verse, uh, chapter 10, verse 18, when the author of Hebrews argued for the supremacy of the new covenant and how we have complete and total forgiveness under the new covenant. So you can understand the word therefore in one of two ways. You can say that now in verse 19 and moving forward, he's building this based on the immediate argument that he just presented, which is the new covenant is superior and provide superior forgiveness. I personally think he's building that on the whole argument from chapter 1 verse 1 all the way to chapter 10 verse 18. Amen? So for me... The word therefore here marks a brand new beginning of a brand new section in the book of Hebrews. Amen? Now, he says this, brothers and sisters or brethren, we have confidence to enter into where? The most holy place, the holy of holies by the blood of Jesus. Right? Remember, in the Old Testament, 
not anybody in the congregation was even allowed to enter into the holy place, right? It's only that everybody can enter into the outer court, the priest into the holy place, and only the high priest into the holy of holies. That is the rules under the old covenant. But under the new covenant, the holy of holies is open not just to the high priest, but he's open to everybody, brothers and Sisters, you and me, anybody, any person, part of the church of God can now enter into the Holy of Holies, which is a privilege, was absolutely excluded uh, from everyone under the terms of the Old Covenant. Amen? But because of the blood of Jesus, you and me don't have to stand now only in the outer courts. Amen? We can actually make it all the way in to the Holy of Holies. Now, the author of Hebrews in verse 19, 20, and 21, before he started encouraging them to draw near, he gave them two privileges, two reasons that they can actually go with boldness and draw near to God. Can you help me out here? What is the two privileges that he's listing in verse 19, 20, and 21? Therefore, brothers and sisters, brethren, since we have two things, what are they? We have confidence to enter, how? By the, By the blood of Jesus. That's our first privilege. We have the blood of Jesus who gives us confidence to enter into the most holy place. And what else do we have from that text? And a high priest on the house of God. So because we have these two things, because we have the blood of Jesus who gives us confidence to enter, and that's verse 19 and 20, and because we have such a great high priest, that's verse 21, the results of these two privileges that God has given the New Testament believer, what can we do? Let us draw near. Amen? God doesn't give us responsibility before he gives us privileges first. Amen? And that's what the author of Hebrews is telling us here. We have so much privileges, therefore let us do our responsibilities. Amen? So, two things here. We have the blood of Jesus by which we have free access to God. And number two, we have such a great high priest. Let's look into these two privileges that you and I have. Number one, we have confidence to enter. Again, that the meaning here is more likely or can carry the meaning of free access. We have free access to the very holy of holies. Think about that. Think about that. Again, under the Old Testament rules, you and me would have free access only to the outer court, right? But because of the blood of Jesus, we have free access. Any day, any time, you can go into the Holy of Holies, not because you're good enough, not because you are far much better than the people of the Old Testament, but because of that blood of Jesus. It's because of the blood that we can enter into the very presence of God at any time. Amen? Think about that. Our gathering this morning in the presence of a holy and a righteous God is paid for by the blood of Jesus. Right? We couldn't even be here today worshiping him, calling him father, if Jesus would have not died for you and me on the cross. Amen? Now think about that. Think about, I was just thinking about this. How many days we can let go by without praying, without spending time in the presence of God, even though... Jesus paid the ultimate price to make this prayer time, this time spent with God daily in devotion, available for you and me. Can you imagine? Somebody goes out of his way, buy you the fanciest car, give you the key, and then you just let the car 
stay, stay there absolutely useless and not take advantage of all the sacrifice and the gift some, that somebody has given to you. Amen? Even our prayer time and our devotion is paid for by the blood of Jesus. So let's take advantage of that. Let's not waste time and days not spending time in the presence of God. Amen? It is our privilege that we can have free access to the very holy of holies because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. Now, it says this, that we have... We can enter with confidence. We have confidence to enter into the Holy of Holies. But how? By the blood of Christ, by the blood of Jesus. We talked already about that, right? When we spent 26 weeks talking about the power of the blood of Christ and how we can access the presence of God only through the blood of Jesus. So let me just, let me allow the word of God to blow your mind away. Are you ready for this? This is so good. When I read it, I was like, man, this is so awesome. Think about this. If you go to Leviticus chapter 4 and you read the rules of uh, the sin offering, you're going to see that there's a lot of um, regulations for the sin offering. And it seems complicated, but it really has a purpose to it. So, for example, if uh, a, a ruler or one of the common people sin against God in Leviticus chapter 4 and they have to bring a sin offering, then the priest will take the blood of that sin offering and he sprinkle it on the um, bronze altar, which is in the outer court, right? You with me? That's it. We're going to see that in verse 25 and verse 30. So if a common person sins, the blood of their sacrifice will be sprinkled on the bronze altar. If the priest sins, he brings a sin offering, and then the blood of the sacrifice that the priest is offering actually goes into the holy place. And he has to sprinkle it in front of the veil inside the holy place and on the incense altar. You guys are with me? So if a person sins, the blood of their sacrifice is sprinkled on the bronze altar. If the priest sins, then the blood of their sacrifice goes into the holy place and being sprinkled in front of the veil. And remember, on the day of atonement, the high priest will go into the holy of holies, but he has to take blood for his own sins, and he has to sprinkle it on the mercy seat and on the Ark of the Covenant. You follow the rules? Do you know what the Bible is trying to tell us here? The Bible is trying to tell us here this. What the Bible is saying is this. It doesn't matter what is the limit of you approaching God. You cannot go any further in approaching God more than the blood allows you. You guys are with me? Because that the common person cannot go into the Holy of Holies. That's why the blood of their sacrifice has to be sprinkled on the altar in the outer court. Because the, because the, the priest can go inside the holy place. He cannot enter into the holy place without sprinkling the blood in front of the veil inside the holy place. And because the high priest can enter into the very holy of holies, he still cannot enter without blood to sprinkle on the Ark of the Covenant. Amen? It doesn't matter how close you can come to God every step of the way. Whatever limit you have in approaching God, you must have blood. It's only by the blood that you can come close to God. And the closer you get every step in the way, you still must have blood. Amen? No sinners like you and me can approach a holy and a righteous God except by the blood. Amen? It is the blood of Jesus that can quench the wrath of God over our sins and let Him, let His holy and righteous wrath overlook our sins and allow us to fellowship and have a communion with Him. Amen? Amen. All these rules have meanings and it's such a wonderful and powerful meaning. 
Whatever, however close you can get to God, you must have blood. And without blood, you cannot get any closer to God. Amen? Now, that new way, the access, confidence with access into the holy place, the most holy place, in verse 20, the author of Hebrews described it in three ways, right? What is this way? Number one, it's a new way. Number two, it's a living way. And number three, it's made available through the curtain, right? Number one, it's a new way. A new way, that means it has not existed before, right? That's the word new here. And that's kind of what the author of Hebrews already told us in chapter 9, verse 8. The author of Hebrews says this, The Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, this signifying, because the veil was there, the holy place was there, the Holy Spirit thus signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not made yet manifest while the first tabernacle was still standing. We talked about this before, right? But this new way, this is a brand new way of approaching God that sinners like you and me can go not just into the outer court, not just into the holy place, but even all the way into the holy of holies. This is a brand new way of approaching God that was never made available for you and me before Jesus died on the cross and shed his blood. Amen? But it's also a new way because it is linked to the new covenant that the author of Hebrews just talked about, right? Because there is a new covenant that offers perfect and complete forgiveness. Now, sinners like you and me have a brand new way of approaching God that will allow us to enter not just to the outer court, but all the way in to the Holy of Holies. Amen? It's a new way, but number two is also a living way. I like how F.F. Bruce put this one. He said this, It's a, a living way because in effect the ever-living Christ himself and his people sacrifice and priest is the way to God. Isn't that just awesome? So powerful. It's a living way because Jesus himself kind of is the way and he is a living person. And because Jesus, the sacrifice and priest, is alive, then this way is also a living way. Amen? But number three, it's a new way, it's a living way. Number three, it's made available through the curtain, through the veil, which the author of Hebrews defined for us as that is his flesh, that is his body. The word made available. We have seen this word before in chapter 9, verse 18, and it was translated as consecrated. Here, because this is a new way, it has never existed before, the word probably means dedicated more than anything else. Think about it this way. When we build a new bridge or want to open a new uh, road, and you have that ribbon that that official will go and cut it. And he said, we're going to dedicate this way to so-and-so, to the president or somebody like that. And you start, you even name that bridge after the president. And you dedicate that way to a particular person. That's precisely kind of what the author of Hebrews is telling us here. This way was made available. It's dedicated for you and me only because of what Jesus has done for us. Amen. And then it says this, that this way was made available, was dedicated, how? Through the veil that is the curtain, which is the blood of Jesus. Turn with me back to that diagram. We'll look at a couple of things here. Between the holy place and the holy of holies, there is a thick, heavy curtain that is called the veil. Now, this curtain can serve both ways. It can be a door 
right? Because that's how the high priest will enter into the Holy of Holies. But it also serves as a barrier for the priest not to enter into the Holy of Holies, right? And the scripture tells us in the Gospels that when Jesus died, one of the first results when he gave up his spirit on the cross is that this particular veil inside the, the temple was cut in the middle from top, starting with God, all the way to the bottom. And the veil was torn, right? Jesus died on the cross. The minute he gave up his spirit, that veil was torn into two and the way was open. And it seems to me that this is what the author of Hebrews is talking about here. That the way to the Holy of Holies was opened when that veil was torn that represent to you and me the body of Christ that was torn on the cross for the sake of our salvation. Amen? The author of Hebrews tells us here that this veil is a picture, is a type of the body of Christ. Now, I can't remember if somebody preached this one time and I heard it or I read it somewhere. I can't remember where I get this from. But think about it this way. Think about it this way. This is so awesome. As long as the veil is intact together, then the veil serves as a barrier between man and God, right? Now, once that veil is torn, now that veil serves as a door for sinners to enter into the very presence of God. You're with me? Let me repeat that again. When the, veil, when the veil is intact, put together, then what's happened? It's a barrier. And now that the veil is torn, now it's a door. You guys are with me? And that's precisely how Jesus acted when he was in the flesh. When Jesus was a man like you and me, his body was intact. He's working around, serving God, preaching the gospel. He lived a complete and perfect life of holiness. And because he lived the perfect life, the way he lived when his body was intact was a barrier for you and me. Because he has shown us how you and me can approach God in our own merits. We have to live like Jesus. And guess what? Nobody can live like him. Amen? Therefore, by Jesus living the standard of approaching a holy and righteous God in his own merits, his life, his flesh was a barrier for us. He showed us the high standards that we can never approach. Amen? But when that veil, that flesh was torn on the cross, what happened is that through that very torn flesh that we can enter, sinners like you and me can now enter into the very presence of God. Amen? The torn body of Christ serves as a door for sinners like you and me to enter into the very presence of God. Amen? When the body is intact, it's a barrier. But when the body is torn, it's a door. That might be what the author of Hebrews is talking about here. He already, already mentioned that to us. Remember Hebrews 10, 10? That we're all sanctified by the one offering that Jesus has offered to the Father, which is what? His uh, body, right? He said that in Hebrews 10, 10. It is when Jesus died on the cross as our substitute, as the sacrificial lamb, that doors has been opened for sinners like you and me to enter into the very presence of God because of the blood of Jesus. Amen? I don't know about you, this is really good news. Amen? We would have been barred from the presence of God for all our life and for all eternity, but Jesus died on the cross to open that door once and for all. Amen? And because of the power of his blood, sinners like you and me have access to the very holy of holies. Not just access, free access. You can go in anytime you want, any day you want. Amen? Amen. That tells you about the power that is in the blood of Jesus. 
The good thing is we don't only have that powerful blood, we also have another advantage, which is a great high priest, right? That's why he told us in verse 20. He said this, And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near. So we don't just have that amazing blood by which we can enter into the presence of God, but we have this amazing, powerful high priest, great high priest, who also gives us a privilege to enter into the presence of God. Amen? So I went back and I looked at what the author of Hebrews has been telling us about Jesus as our high priest. And I found seven things that he has already told us about how great of a high priest Jesus is. And how because he is this person of a high priest, we can have entrance with confidence. We can have free entrance into the very presence of God. Let's look at our high priest and why is that will encourage us to enter into the presence of God. Amen? Number one, he already told us that our high priest is merciful and faithful. He said that in Hebrews 2, 17, right? He said this, he is merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of his people. Remember what we talked about? Merciful in dealing with us and faithful in dealing with God as a high priest, right? Now, I don't know about you, but if Jesus was not a merciful high priest, imagine the opposite. If Jesus was not a merciful high priest, would that give you and me confidence to enter into the presence of God? That would be terrifying, right? You say, Jesus, I'm sorry I sinned. And he'll say, well, I understand, but the law is the law. Sorry, you mess it up. Can't do, right? But he is a merciful high priest. When you come to him and say, Jesus, I broke the law, I messed it up, and I sinned, he is merciful. He's willing to take you in. He's willing to overlook your sins. Not that he compromised his justice, but because he already paid for your sins on the cross. Amen? He is a merciful high priest. And because he's merciful, you and me are encouraged to enter into the presence of somebody who loves us, who's gracious to us. Amen? Number two, he's not just merciful to us, but he also can sympathize with us. Remember that? In, in Hebrews 4.15, this is what the author of Hebrews said, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are yet without sin. Now think about it this way. If you're going into the very presence of God, and the high priest at his right hand has been in your shoes before. Amen? He was tempted like you were tempted. He was in the exact same problem that you are going through. He went through just to the T. He just did not sin. That's the only difference, right? Don't you think that would encourage you and me to truly enter into the presence of God? Right? Because we don't have a high priest who's just merciful, but he also has been there. He sympathizes. He understands what we have been through. And he understands our weakness and why we did fall. And because he's merciful and he can sympathize. I don't know about you, but that gives me boldness to enter into the presence of God. Amen? Number three, and the author of Hebrews talked about this a lot in, in chapter 6 and 7. Quoting Psalm 110 verse 4. The reason that gives us confidence to enter into the presence of God because Jesus, our high priest, was not just appointed with a promise, but he also was appointed by an oath. Remember that? Now, 
what that's Psalm 110 verse 4. Do you remember that verse? The Lord has sworn and shall not relent. You are a high priest forever on the order of Melchizedek, right? So the Lord has sworn. Jesus was appointed as high priest, not only by a promise from the Father, but also by an oath. Remember, we talked about this. What is the purpose of that oath? Remember that? The purpose of that oath was not that Jesus can be more secure in his new job, right? As a high priest, right? The purpose of that oath was for you and me to have more hope and more confidence that our high priest will never be shaken because two things by which God can never lie, the promise of God and the oath of God, by these two things our high priest was appointed. Amen? That's what he said in, in Hebrews 6.18. He said this, So that by two immutable, unchangeable things in which it's impossible for God to lie, the promise to Jesus to be our high priest and the oath to Jesus to be our high priest. Not him, but we. Look at that. Not Jesus will have more assurance and confidence, but we have, we who have taken refuge would have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope that is held before us. Amen? We can enter into the presence of God with confidence because our high priest was not just appointed by a promise which would have been good enough. Amen? But he also was appointed by an oath. Number four. We can enter with confidence because of our high priest is our forerunner. Right? It says this in Hebrews 6.20. He, Jesus, entered as a forerunner for us having become a high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Now, who's the forerunner? He is the door opener. It didn't, the idea here is that Jesus did not go inside and shut the door behind him as our high priest, right? He went in as the first one to open the door for you and me to enter into the very holy place. As a matter of fact, the scripture is clear here. He entered as a forerunner for who? For you and me. He's there as the gate opener into the very presence of God and he's there in the very presence of God for you and me as our forerunner. The fact that he's our forerunner gives you and me courage that we're also meant to enter into the presence of God. Amen? That's number four. Number five. Why? We have confidence because Jesus is a great high priest. Because he's at the right hand of God making intercessions for us. Amen? That's Hebrews 7.25. This is what the author of Hebrews says. Therefore, he's able to save forever to the utmost those who draw near to God through him. Why? Since he always lives to make intercessions for them. I don't know about you. The fact that Jesus, your high priest, and my high priest right now, at the right hand of God, making intercession for Cammy, his weakness and his sins. I don't know about you, but that would encourage me to enter into the presence of God. Amen? Amen. Number six, because he is fitting for us. He, he meets our needs. He's what we need, right? That's what the author of Hebrews said in 7.26. Hebrews 7.26. Because it was... Uh, fitting for us to have such a great high priest, holy, innocent, and defiled, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. He fits you. He fits your need. He's everything you need to enter into the presence of God. You don't need anything more than Jesus. 
And you sure don't need anything less than Jesus. Amen? He's the right person for the right job. He's all that you need. He fits every need and every weakness that you have to enter into the presence of God. Amen? But finally here, number seven, why Jesus being our high priest gives us confidence? Because um, he is a great high priest. Now, such a great high priest, the scripture says, as a matter of fact, in Hebrews 8.1. Now, the main point is that it has been said is this. We have such a high priest, such a great high priest, who have taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of majesty in heavens. Jesus is so great. He's greater than all your weakness. He's greater than all your sins. Amen? I don't know about you, but if Jesus was not great enough to make the worst sins that you and I can commit, that will hold us back from entering into the presence of God. Amen? But because he's so great and his blood is so sufficient, there is nothing we can do to mess it up to the point that we can be barred from entering into the presence of God. Amen? Amen. Because he's a great high priest. Seven things the author of Hebrews already mentioned to us about our high priest. Now, we have these two things, right? We have the blood of Jesus, and we have Jesus himself as our high priest. Verse 22 says this, Therefore, God, who did all of this for you, will pull you in through his power into the holy place. Does it say that? What does it say? So whose job is it to draw near? Us or God? What does it say in verse 22? Let us, let us, you and me, draw near. So whose responsibility is it to come close to God? Is it job's, God's responsibility? Since he sent Jesus, he crushed him on the cross, he made the way available that he has to pull us in. It's our responsibility to draw near. God makes it available, but it's your responsibility and my responsibility to take advantage of that. Amen? And if we don't draw near, if we don't draw near, what's going to happen? Nothing. Just, right? This door will be open, but nobody is stepping in. Amen? Let's just close with that thought. In, in, in James, James said this, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. We'll talk about this more next week. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Whose responsibility is it to take the initiative? Right? We should draw near to God. Amen? That's why prayer you need to pray. It's your responsibility. It's your job to pray and seek God. It's your responsibility to spend time in the Word. It's your responsibility to seek the face of God on behalf of His kingdom, on behalf of this church, on behalf of your life situation. Whatever the case is, let us draw near to God. Amen? The good news is we have free access by the blood of Jesus, and we have such a great high priest behind the curtain interceding for us at the very presence of God. Amen? We have all what it takes to cry out to the living God. Amen? So let's not waste that amazing privilege that God has given us. Amen? Let's close our eyes and pray.